The FT. Why higher student fees are right? October the fourteenth, two thousand and ten. England has four universities ranked in the world's top twenty, and fifteen in the top hundred. It is second after the U.S. in attracting foreign students. As a report by the committee under Lord Brown, former head of BP, notes, and I quote, "The historic strength and openness of our higher education system has contributed to Britain's cultural and intellectual life, as well as its role in the world." End of quotes. The country must build on this great inheritance. The report is both controversial and timely. It is controversial because it proposes a further shift towards charging graduates. It is timely because it comes at a time of such stringency in public spending. This is an opportunity to put student finance on a sustainable basis by building on the reforms brought in by Tony Blair. The report is based on six principles: more money should flow into higher education, the role of student choice should increase, everyone with the potential. Should be able to enter higher education. Nobody should be forced to pay before they earn. Repayments should be affordable, and part-time students should be treated like full-time ones. I cannot see how any reasonable person could object to any of these aims. So, how are they to be turned into practice? Students are to choose where they wish to study, with government financing the upfront costs. Support for living costs is to be available through an annual grant. Of three thousand seven hundred and fifty pounds, with poorer students also eligible for grants of up to three thousand two hundred and fifty pounds. Graduates are to make payments of nine percent of annual incomes above twenty-one thousand. If earnings drop or they stop work, payments are to drop or be stopped. The earning threshold is to be kept in line with earnings. The interest rate is to be the same as the government's, with a rebate for low earners. Then, after thirty years, the balance is simply to be written off. What are the advantages of this proposal over the present system, with its arbitrarily low ceiling of three thousand pounds on the fees? First, by removing that ceiling, it replaces the dead hand of government with the forces of student choice. Second, it provides a source of income for institutions that is independent of public spending. Third, the most attractive institutions will be forced to subsidise the system, since those charging over six thousand pounds per students will be subject to a levy of between forty percent for fees between six thousand pounds and seven thousand pounds, and seventy-five percent for fees above eleven thousand pounds. Finally, by charging the rate of interest paid by the government, the subsidies will be much reduced. In short, the relationship between student and institution will be that between consumer and provider, with the government acting as the bank. What are the alternatives to such reforms? One would be a return to free provision, with government paying everything. It is astonishing that this idea is supported on the left, since it requires using scarce public funds to provide huge private benefits to those who will be the most highly rewarded in the country. On average, the net private benefit from higher education is over two hundred thousand dollars for each man. Moreover, the UK's higher education sector is underfunded. The government is not going to make up the shortfall. Another alternative would be a graduate tax. The details are open to discussion. At what income would it begin to be paid, for example, and at what rate? But some difficulties are quite evident. It would mean centralised control over universities. 
and it will be almost impossible to apply to graduates who proceed to work abroad, whether they came originally from the UK or the rest of the European Union. The idea that people should pay an extra tax for life merely because they went to university is also bizarre. Fee repayment is a more logical idea. There is much else to like about these proposals, the simplification of administration, for example, but there are some difficulties, some more real than others. One objection is that the repayment by those who prepay will be smaller than those who do not. But the government itself pays interest on its borrowing. Why should that be ignored? Another objection is that fees put students off. This has proved to be wrong so far, contrary to the many dire predictions. Nevertheless, it disturbs me that the report largely limits government subsidies for teaching to the sciences and healthcare. This is depressingly utilitarian. It might even mean the collapse of many courses in the humanities. I would want to see some continued subsidy for all university courses alongside the higher fees. The UK might well sacrifice some of the less valuable research output for this purpose. In all, however, the report provides the only sensible way forward given the constraints on public spending and the need to sustain high-quality institutions. It is right that students should pay for the huge private benefits they gain from university education. It is right, too, to bring in market forces. The changes will bring pain, but the upside is also large. The government should grasp this nettle now. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.